Praise the Lord. All right, turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, beginning with verse 1. A couple nights ago, I woke up in the middle of the night, and the Holy Spirit said three things to me, said three words to me, and and he said, you're going to talk about this on Sunday morning, and I didn't know exactly how and where, I didn't know how that was all going to fit, but he said three things to me. He said, security, provision, and peace. Security, provision, and peace. What, I, what I'm going to share today is, is well, I, I don't need to really, well, do, sorry, too many things going on in my head at one time. Whenever you start doing things in the Spirit, you, you know, you almost have to, some things you have to explain, some things you shouldn't explain. This is going to be by the Spirit. I, I don't. Uh, there's more to what I'm going to share this morning than what's going to be seem on the surface. There's some people that need to hear, obviously. And then here's the point. You always need to hear what's, what God says through you know, the Word and so on. But this morning, there are some specific things some of you need to hear and to, and to grasp hold of in this sermon. La, you know, we've been talking about kingdom. Uh, starting to talk about kingdom. And Pastor Greg did an absolutely fantastic job last week. Was the bomb, <clears throat> and uh, I think he needs to preach more often. What do you guys think? Amen. Amen. Now, and I'll actually be here for some of them. Usually, when I'm always gone when he uh, when he preaches. Security, provision, and peace. Genesis chapter twenty six, verse one. Now there was a famine in the land besides the, fam- the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for, for a while. <clears throat> and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants... I will give you all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands. And through your offspring all the nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my... Excuse me. There's a famine in the land. There's an opportunity to experience lack. There was an opportunity to be concerned about that lack. There was an opportunity to get nervous about the lack, about the opportunity for famine. Famine was bad. We live in America. We've had some famines here, but it's... We don't experience it. You know, the Dust Bowl days was famine. But America is huge, and it's got all kinds of resources. I didn't live through the Dust Bowl days. Those who did, you know, it was tough. It was also the Depression at that time. But even during those times, Americans still lived at a higher level of existence than the rest of the world. We have not experienced famine. I mean, you can watch on television and see pictures of famine around the world, and that's famine. I mean, there is no food. There's nothing. And it says there was a famine in the land. Now, the conventional wisdom in those days is if there's a famine in the land, 
you go where there's not a famine. No brainer. And where is that usually? Whenever we hear about something like that happening in the land there, where do they go? They go to Egypt. Because there's water there. It's where all the you know, it's where the Nile comes together. There's there's water there. They, you know, even when there's famine throughout the whole land, there's always going to be provision in Egypt. Now the thing is, in biblical terms, when you when you're studying the Bible and you see different things represented, the Egypt is a type and shadow of the world system. The way the world works. The world's provision. The world's, uh, you know, when, when Joseph, or when uh, Joseph's father and brothers were experiencing their famine, their answer was, let's go down to Egypt. There's food down there. We're not going to starve if we go down there. Let's go check that out. Let's go there. They're going to meet our needs. They're going to take care of the situation we're in right now. But as soon as the famine hits and, and, and uh, Isaac starts thinking, I've got to do something about it, God came to him and said, don't go to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. Because that was the conventional wisdom. I'm sure it entered his mind. Because when, when the famine happened before, Abraham went to Egypt. His dad did. Well, you know, if, if, if something bad starts to happen, we should do what we're supposed to do. I mean, take, we need to take care of our family, right? Let's go to Egypt. Let's, let's go where the food is at. Let's go where the provision is at. Let's go where the answers are at. But God came to him and said, don't go to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. Stay where I tell you to stay. And he led him to the land of the Philistines. Philistines are bad too. But they're not like bad world system. They're like bad people. They always had trouble with the Philistines. Don't go, don't go to Egypt. Don't, don't go the, the route of the conventional wisdom. Go the direction that I'm telling you to go. God, God, I'm telling you to go do something different. Go there instead. And when you go there, when you obey me, I'll take care of you. And he says, why? And maybe that's why that, that question, why, came, kept coming up in my heart today. Why did God say that he was going to take care of Isaac? Well, he says right here. He, he explains why he's going to take care of Egypt or take care of Isaac. He says, uh, stay in the land, verse 3, stay in this land for a while and I'll be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give you these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. The reason he's going to take care of Isaac is because he swore an oath to his father. He says, I'll take care of you and I'll take care of your children. You do things the way I tell you to do them, I'll take care of you. And, he says, because Abraham was faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. Yesterday in the Bulls, we were talking about kingdom. We were talking about, well, how does the kingdom work? We started taking the verses, uh, the parables, where it says the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like. And we started taking those and started breaking them down and talking about what is the kingdom of God and what does that really mean. And one of the things that came out in the discussion is, is that God, God fulfills what he says he will do. If you give God your obedience, he will take care of the things he said he would do for you. 
That's the way his kingdom works. You obey him, you follow him, you, you listen to him, you do your part, and you will be blessed. But not just you. It'll go beyond you. It'll go beyond you because Abraham was blessed, but God says, I'm blessing you to bless the whole world. When, when Abraham obeyed, he blessed his whole line, his whole people group, his whole nations that came out of him. And he also blessed the rest of the world, you and I. God is, is, is into much bigger in the outcome than what starts. So the reason he's going to bless Isaac is because Abraham was faithful. Because Abraham obeyed God because he did what he was supposed to do, his child where it was blessed. Also his children, because Ishmael was also blessed. In a lesser way, but he was also blessed. So if you are obedient, your children will be blessed. Why are you reaping some of the blessings in your life? Very possibly you had a godly parent or grandparent who were obedient to what God told them to do. I know I am. I'm reaping the blessings of generations of people making the right choices. And if you don't have generations in front of you who made right choices, you know, God just, you know, graciously snatched you out of the, 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 you know, the mess, praise God, because now your choices will affect your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Why, did, why is God going to bless Isaac? Because Abraham was obedient. And... Because God made a covenant with him. He is going to bless him because I swore an oath to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands through your offspring. All nations on earth will be blessed. It is their destiny. Write that word down in your Bible. Next to that verse, destiny. It is your destiny. We don't talk a lot about destiny, because destiny is not necessarily a, a biblical word. We, can't, we don't see much in the Bible that talks about specifically destiny. But destiny is the idea that if God says he's going to do something in your life, it's going to happen. And you can bank on it. You can rest on it. If he says he's going to fulfill something, he's going to fulfill it. And if you and we see that in the in the in the uh, Israelites, if he won't let him do it through you, he'll do it through the next generation. I mean, you might as well get the blessings in your life too. But if you won't do it, if you won't let him do it in your life, the next generation is up for the reward. They'll get it too if you're obedient, but you make the right choices. You do the right things. You be obedient. And when you're obedient, you get to reap the benefits of it. So, why did God say, why did God say these things to Isaac? Because of Abraham's obedience. So Isaac, verse 6, Isaac stayed in Gerar. Egypt was the conventional wisdom. There was always water in Egypt, always provision. But Egypt is also the symbol of the world's provision verse 12 skip down to verse 12 isaac planted crops in that land 
and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Do not skim over that verse. In that same year, what was happening? A famine. A famine is happening in the land. God said, don't leave here. Go over here. Stay here. I'll tell you where to stay. But where he sent him was a famine. It was happening. That's what was happening in that area. He didn't go where God, he didn't go where God said, don't go. Don't go to the world's provision. Don't go to the conventional wisdom. Go where I tell you to go. And when you do, I'm going to bless you. So he went there. He obeyed. He did what God said to do, which was the unconventional wisdom. He planted in, that's unconventional wisdom. You have a famine going on. What are you going to do? I think I'm going to plant some seed. Where else have we seen that? Not necessarily biblical. Where have we Faith like potatoes. Real story. Real true story. South Africa. God told a man... To say publicly. See, that's what, you know, it's really nervous about saying things publicly. It's, sometimes they sound really crazy. Welcome to my world. But God told him to say in front of thousands of people, we're going to reap potatoes this year. Well, potatoes need water. And they had a famine. And so what did he do? He had the choice, you know, okay, God said through him, we're gonna, you're going to reap potatoes this year. He had the opportunity to think, well, the thing is, if I, if I plant, I have to, to reap the potatoes, I have to plant the potatoes. He had to make that choice before they saw any water. By faith, he had to follow the unconventional wisdom. By faith, he had to plant potatoes. By faith, Isaac had to plant seed. It didn't make any sense. It, hello? Why would we do this? Any normal thinking person, the almanac tells us this is not a good year to plant potatoes. Yeah, but God said, do it. So he planted. And in Isaac's story, he reaped a harvest a hundredfold. Didn't say, oh, and after he planted, amazing rains came upon the land. No. I think there was a famine that whole year. And he still reaped a harvest a hundredfold. Faith like potatoes guy. Angus Buchan. I'm his friend on Facebook, by the way. Just thought I'd share that. You could be too. He just takes, he accepts everybody, but you know. Yeah. He also wears a kilt. Okay, there we go. This <laughs> He planted potatoes, right? What, what happened? They went out and dug potatoes in dust. They had dust the whole year. They, with, I mean, the, what happened on the, on the above the surface didn't look like anything. It's, he said it, the, the, the leaves were all shriveled. Everything looked horrible. They dug down and they saw they had the biggest bumper crop of potatoes he had ever had. Why? Why? Because they were obedient to the unconventional wisdom of God. They were obedient to do what God said to do, not what made sense in their own mind. Does anybody yet, you don't have to raise your hand, this is a, this is a rhetorical question. Does anyone yet, is this starting to hit home to you? Because I know there is. Unconventional wisdom. Opposite of what the world would do. Opposite of what everybody else will do. Opposite, opposite. 
But it doesn't make any sense. And you're going to have people. Angus Buchan had people say, oh, give me a gonna the, the bank said, I'm not giving you any money to plant potatoes. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to take that step anyway. Isaac reaped a harvest. Isaac reaped a harvest a hundredfold. Because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich. And his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. Love those verses. Dang, that's cool. Let's say that again because it's so much fun. The man became rich. And his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy in a famine. In a famine. Stop. Headline. This is kingdom, folks. That's what kingdom is about. We follow the king. And life is perfect in every way. No, there's a, there's a stinking famine going on. Opportunity to fear. Opportunity to have concern. Opportunity to doubt. Opportunity to turn and run to Egypt. Just because you're following the king doesn't mean that every moment of this journey is perfect. Most of the time, we're going to see this over and over here in just a second, most of it, he's having to walk this thing out with just sheer determination to follow God. Isaac had the hand of God upon him. So that meant he had no problems, right? Verse 14. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with dirt. What the heck? God, you told me to come here. You told me to come here instead of Egypt. You told me to come to, to the land of the Philistines. You told me that I would, if I obeyed you, that, the, that I'd be blessed. So here I am. I came and I obeyed you. Yeah, okay. So we had a bumper crop. We had a hundredfold return. Thank you very much for that. But we need water now. So I went to use my well today, and somebody filled it up. What well, that stinks. That's not fair. It's just not fair. I was following God. And look what happened. And not just one well, all of them. Do you think they don't want me here? I don't know. Do you think they don't like me here? But why would God send me somewhere that people don't like me? Does anybody feel... Don't raise your hands. Just rhetorical. Does anybody ever feel that way? You know, God, God, you know I'm pretty sure God told me to take that job, whatever that job is. But nobody likes me there. And they make my work harder. They fill up my wells. Whatever the well is that you're working on. And it wasn't even their wells to fill up. My dad made those wells. My dad dug those wells. They were our wells. We worked hard for them. And they just keep filling them up. Why is the hand of God on life? This doesn't make... This is not fair. The way that I... Oh... Gosh, see, this just keeps giving. I love these. What I thought was going to happen was this, the conventional wisdom. This is how I thought it was going to be figured out. So 
No, God told me to do something different. So then, I, okay, fine, I'll obey God. And, and he, okay, I was blessed, but then something worse happened. They filled all my... Does that ever happen to anybody? We worked really hard to gather up 170, so 189, but we couldn't get them all on the truck. You know, I want, just think, we could have gotten those other 100, you know, those other 10 boxes or whatever. We couldn't do it. Okay, well, okay, we're going to get, yeah, we sent 177. We get it there. Praise God, we got 177 boxes there. First person we meet, oh, these aren't going to be any good. These aren't worth it. Yeah, you guys wasted your time. Tell you what, we'll take them off your hands because we're nice people. I mean, $12,000 is better than nothing because they're worth nothing to everybody. We'll be a nice guy. We'll take it off your hand for you. Life isn't fair. Your enemy hates you and is going to try to discourage you and take you out and cause you to quit so what does Isaac do? <laughs> Forget it. I quit. I'm done. God, you have no idea what's going on. I'm out of here. I thought God was protecting him. I thought God was providing for him. Why did God allow these persecutions to continue? Verse 16. Then Abimelech, he was the king of that area, said to Isaac, move away from us. Get out of here. Leave. Go away. God sent him there for provision, and now the king is saying, get out of here. You're not welcome anymore. Anybody ever felt that? Move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. All right. So... So that we, why does God do this? Why does God tell us to do the unconventional thing? Why does God send us where we, we don't really want to go? Why does God have us do things that doesn't always make sense in the natural, in the moment of the time? Why does he have us do those things? Because he does it to all of us. He does it to me. He does it to you. Why does God lead us in the unconventional way? So that you're not trusting in yourself or in man, but that you're trusting in him. Because he can bless you anywhere. But he doesn't want you thinking it's coming from somebody else. Or from yourself. Because the moment you start thinking that this is coming from you, you lose. Then pride enters in. Look what I have built. Look what I've done. God will lead you to go the opposite direction of everybody else because he wants you to trust him and obey him. And when you do that, he'll bless you. But most of the time, I can guarantee you it'll be most of the time, if not every time, it'll be opposite of the way everybody else thinks you should go. And what do you need to do? You need to toughen up, set your face in the direction God tells you to go, and go. That's what you need to do. You do what he tells you to do. Hear my words this morning. You do what he tells you to do. Even if it makes no sense. There is not one single business book tells me to do it this way. I wasted f- ten years in college. <laughs> 
Because they said, you do it this way, and nah, God won't let me. He makes me do it this way. Why did I even go to college? Because he told you to go to college. That's what he told me to do. He told me to go there. He told me to go do this. And I, and I went think, what am I doing here? Because it was unconventional. I'm going to be in the ministry. I, I already felt the call of God in my life. I'm supposed to go. In the, so he sent me to Stout. Stout. Stout, stout, the easy way out. <laughs> when in doubt, go to stout. Exactly. <laughs> we'll stop right there. Move away from us. You have become too powerful. So Isaac moved away. God does that so we don't become dependent on man, but totally rely upon him. 18. Isaac reopened the wells. Great. We have to dig them again. That had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. So Isaac went to work. Fine. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what he says to do. I'm going to go back. He reopened the same wells his father had dug. He had to work extra hard. He had to to put in extra effort. He had to go the extra mile. And he, okay, finally, we're all locked in here. Now I I reopened the wells that my father has dug. I'm ready to go here, God. Ready, God, bless me. Verse 19, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a fresh well. A fresh water there. Finally, God has brought provision into his life. Verse 20, But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Essek, because they disputed with him. Okay, so now surely this will be the end of the contention. We're moving along here. Verse 21, Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. Verse 22, He moved on from there and dug another well. Do you see a pattern developing here? He goes and he works hard. He's doing what God tells him to do. And every time he does, somebody somebody else comes along and says, you can't have that. It's ours. And steals it from him. You notice God doesn't say, go ahead and smite them. What does he do? Fine, I'm out of here. You know what, I'm not going to quarrel with you. We're going to move on. We're going to dig another well. We're going to dig another well. You're going to see something here in a moment. It's going to be amazing. 22. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and he will flourish, and we will flourish in the land. God finally gave him peace, but he had to move away from what he thought was the way God was going to provide for him so that God could really provide for him. Did you catch that? Here, Isaac is in trouble. There's a famine in the land. He doesn't have the vision he needs for his family, for his flocks, all of those things. Conventional wisdom says, go to Egypt. That's what everybody else does in time of famine. Go to Egypt. God says, no, don't go to Egypt. Go over here to the Philistines. Go to Gerar. 
Go over, stay, live over there. Okay, God, I'll do what you tell me to do. He goes over. He's moving away from Egypt. He's getting further away from the conventional wisdom. He moves over here, and God blesses him. Praise God. If that was the end of the story, we'd all shout and do it, they'll dance and give a testimony. Oh, isn't God amazing? But in the middle of that provision, there's conflict. So God won't let you to go to that provision, but he sends you over here where there really isn't any provision, but he gives you provision anyway. And now that he's, seeking, now that he's experiencing provision, there's conflict and persecution. Why would God lead you into persecution? God doesn't lead us into persecution. Yes, he does. All the time. He did it to all kinds of people. So in the middle of it, he's blessed, and he's blessed, and he gets more blessed, and he gets more blessed, and now persecution comes. So what does he do? Fine. I'm not going to argue with you. We're going to go over here, and we're going to fix this well. They fix the well. They get water. The locals say, nope, you can't have that well. That's ours. Fine. Moves over here. Digs open another well. How about this one? Nope, that's ours too. Fine. You see what's happening? He's moving away from that conventional wisdom. Well, the way God did it before, he's moving further away from it. There are times, there are many times, I believe we're going to see it in the near future and in, and in the far future and every time in between. We are entering a time in our lives when God is going to lead us to do things that are unconventional and outside of the norm of the way things usually have been done, outside of the way the things are, all, everybody, all the smart people say that's the way we do them, and when we do them, you'll be blessed. And when you do them, you're going to get persecuted. Oh, dang. I want the blessing without the persecution. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. You mean I'm going to be blessed and picked on? Yep. Yeah, just to let you know. Giving you a heads up. I'll let you know you heard it here first. And you're then, you're going to have to maybe move away from that conventional wisdom. And you're going to have to move out. He's moving out in the middle of nowhere. Digs a well, finds a well, and God provides for him again. But at least he had peace. He finally got the peace. And he wouldn't have got the peace if he hadn't obeyed God in the beginning. Security, provision, and peace. Security, provision, and peace. Security, provision, and peace. The Holy Spirit's been telling me ever since worship that that's for you guys this morning. Unconventional. Unconventional. You, everybody's going to say, well, this is the way you should do it. And you're going to go, no, that's the way God told me to do this. Now it's for more people. I'm not done yet this morning. But he's been saying to me this about you guys. Why? I don't know. I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know what decision you have to make. I don't know where you're going next. But people are going to go, oh, no, 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 no. This is the way God, this is the, this is the way it should work. And you're going to go, I'm really sorry, but no. We're going to go in the opposite direction. <laughs> Wait a second. Haven't we gone in the opposite direction enough times yet? Unconventional. Unconventional wisdom, Brian. 
un oh, unstinking conventional. No, nobody does it this way. Exactly. And they're not going to experience the blessings that you're going to experience when you obey Him. You're the other person God's been talking to me about. Unconventional wisdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is so good. (laughs) He is so good to mess up our lives. He is. He's so good to do it because if we didn't, if he didn't mess up our lives, we'd stay in the same rut we're always in. Right, George? Unconventional wisdom. No, not contrarian. Unconventional. Different. Much different. Unconventional is obedient. Contrarian is argumentative. Unconventional wisdom. Unconventional wisdom. Unconventional wisdom, Jesse. Unconventional. Doesn't make sense. That's not the way I want. That's not the way everybody else would do it. That's not the way we would do it. Why do we need to? I don't know why I need to do it that way. I don't know. You may not know until it happens and you go, I know it's happened to me over and over and over again in my life. Go the other direction, John. Do what everybody else says not to do. I mean, it sounds like a contrarian, doesn't it? Everybody says do it this way, and it's like, I'm, but I'm not arguing with them. I'm just obeying Him. I'm, I'm agreeing with God. Okay, God, I'll go that way. Everybody goes, what are you doing? Whew. Doing that takes guts. I'm telling you right now. Going the opposite way. Not because you're just going the opposite way. Not as a contrary. Not because you're just going to do it because I'm going to do it the other way. I don't care what anybody else thinks. No, 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 no. When you do it because God leads you to do it, in that is blessing and persecution. And every moment of the way, Jessica, every moment of the way, people are going to go, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Come on, there is so much better way to do it. There's an easier way to do it. There's a, there's a less hectic way to do it. There's a less, it's, it's so much easier to go in this other direction. And you're going to go, no, I'm pretty sure God told me to go this way. Well, good luck to you. My hands are clean. I warned you. Thank you. You did. But I got to follow God. I got to follow God. I got to go in the direction God told me to go. Why? Not because I'm trying to butt heads with anybody, but because when I follow Him, it's the right answer. And it's going to lead me exactly where I need to be. Where does security, provision, and peace happen? It happens in obedience. It happens in obedience. It happens when you follow Him, even when it doesn't make sense. Please stand.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you for the leading of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the anointing on your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. Thank you, Father, that you are good. And your love towards us is new every morning. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.